This episode of Multiverse Tonight is brought to you by Podcorn, the marketplace that connects podcasters with podcast sponsorship opportunities like host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Any podcaster, big or small, can take advantage of this platform. You can set up your rates and begin working with all kinds of advertisers. With Podcorn, you never give up control over your podcast, and Podcorn support is there to help you every step of the way. Just click on the link in my show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. And how do I know? Because I'm using Podcorn right now. Thanks, Podcorn. And now, here's the show. Tonight, everyone has an opinion of the rise of Skywalker. William Shatner does a good deed. And Seth MacFarlane goes to the birds on the sci-fi edition of Multiverse Tonight. Comic books, sci-fi, fantasy, and more. If you're looking for a roundup of geeky news, you're in the right place. This is Multiverse Tonight. Here's your host, Thomas Townley. This episode of Multiverse Tonight Hello, is brought everyone. to you by Podcorn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 58 of Multiverse Tonight. Well, um, I finally got to see The Rise of Skywalker. You know, went went to see that with uh, the good lady wife last night. So uh, here's here's my review. Here's my two cents. You know, it was very, very good. Uh, it's it's not the worst. It's not the best. I, I'd still say the Force Awakens was the best of the new trilogy. Um, you know, it's just very, very, very good. Now it was uh, very happy. I was very happy with how they wrapped up the Skywalker saga. To tell you the truth, uh, and there were of course a fair amount of plot holes that every Star Wars film has had. But of course, that's why you go and you know do research. You go. Read the books. You know, apparently all the stuff with uh, the Emperor and the Sith planet and all that is in the, like, visual dictionary. So, go go to a store, you know, pull that off the shelf and read about what that is. Or go to just, you know, research it on the internet. Because, as you know, nothing in books stays in books. People on the internet just blab it out. But... If uh, it you know if it weren't for those potholes, it wouldn't be a Star Wars movie. Every Star Wars movie has a fair number of plot holes. By the way, did you did you notice the Ewoks? You know you know the plot hole I have with that. Those Ewoks should be dead after the uh, Death Star blew up over the forest moon of Endor. Um, shrapnel should have rained down on that planet causing a firestorm killing every single thing there but of course this is also a universe where you have planets that just have one ecosystem anyway no matter you know no matter who makes these films where it's J.J. Abrams, Ryan Johnson, George Lucas whoever you know they all are Star Wars films and they're all good 
Anyway, let's get down to some actual Star Wars news. Now, in episode two of The Mandalorian, the hero finds himself at the mercy of Jawas, who have destroyed his vessel. And in order to get his ship parts back, he must make a deal with them to bring back the egg of a mudhorn. The uh, mudhorn, which kind of resembles, you know, the modern-day rhino, but it looks like it could be based on something even older. In fact, a fan of the Nature's Metal subreddit uh, noted that it actually seems to be inspired by an ancestor of the rhino called Yelasmorthrum, also known as the Siberian Unicorn. The creature existed between 2.6 million and 29,000 years ago, and the remains of the beast have been found across Eastern Europe and all the way down to China with a large concentration in Kazakhstan. Now, Season 2 of The Mandalorian has been confirmed with new episodes in the works for fall of this year. So, you want more of the child, aka Baby Yoda, so, how's your coloring skills? Uh, Vulture has partnered with illustrator Martin Gee to write a six-scene coloring book that you can download at vulture.com, and we'll have links to that in the show notes. It'll be kind of cute. You know, I should I should get more coloring in. You know, some that that's good therapy. Speaking of Baby Yoda, you know we know that's not his name, but neither is the child. Director and actor Tika Watiti, speaking with the New York Times at the Golden Globe Awards, confirmed that he does have a name, but he isn't saying what he is. He said, quote, he's not named Baby Yoda. I'll wait for Favreau to give, give that away. So there you go, unquote. Uh, you know, he's not, it has a name, but, you know, Favreau will probably be the ultimate decider of when that name comes out. So, the ball's in your court, Mr. Favreau. Uh, the longer you hold on to the secret, the more the name Baby Yoda will stick. I'm pretty sure that that name is pretty much you know, stuck solid right now. Well, I guess uh, while we wait for that eventuality, we will have the seventh and last season of The Clone Wars. The series will be debuting on Disney Plus on February 17th, now, the series first debuted on Cartoon Network back in 2008. Ah, the heady days of 2008. That seems like a long, long time ago. Guess it was. The reviews of The Rise of Skywalker have been mixed. Its Rotten Tomatoes score is 54%, and it dropped nearly 60% from week one to week two. Now, former Disney CEO Michael Eisner gave his opinion of the film on Twitter, saying, quote, Hashtag Rise of Skywalker is an acceptable film. A lot of story and fan delights, but somewhat emotionless. While Hashtag The Mandalorian on Disney Plus establishes show creator at Jon Favreau as the new George Lucas, which at Robert Riger had the foresight to declare Daisy Ridley played Rey throughout the film with one expression, awe fear until the very end of the film, when she reveals her name. That's what I meant by a film that somewhat lacked emotion. In my previous comment, I didn't mean to suggest that hashtag Daisy Ridley acted poorly. On the contrary, she was excellent. The choice of attitude for Ray was intended and sometimes to, f to fall on the philosophy of the character, unquote. Well, I guess to each their, each their own, you know, 
maybe they'll put that in a director's cut. And uh, speaking of the call for a director's cut, actor Dominic Monaghan thinks that a director's cut of The Rise of Skywalker would be a good idea. Talking with The Hollywood Reporter, he said, quote, Like a lot of Star Wars fans, I'm hoping there will be a director's cut, so we'll get to see more and more of the stuff that was filmed. I wasn't there all the time, but even the short time I was there, there was so much stuff filmed that they didn't make it to the theatrical version. Oh man, there was so much stuff. Now, uh, he went on to talk about a cutscene that's involved with, with his character that made its way to the cutting room floor. Another thing that we will, ha you know, quote, another thing that we will hopefully see at some point in the future was that in the final battle, Connix injures her leg. Obviously, myself, Rose, and Connix are exiting the battle, and Rose has a weapon. While Rose is busy doing stuff, I grab Connix's arm and put it over my shoulder and make sure that all of his comeback as unscathed as uh, make sure all of us come back as unscathed as possible. Unquote. Now, there's a lot more to this interview at the Hollywood Reporter, and uh, there'll be a link to that in the show notes. So, uh, before we go, let's take a look at this weekend's past box office. Let's uh, just you know quickly go through the top through the uh, bottom five. Uh, the bottom was Spies in D Disguise. Number nine was Knives Out. Number uh, eight was Frozen 2. Number seven was the debut of Underwater, which uh, I guess is Underwater. Uh, Little Women came at number six. Just Mercy came at number five. At number four was the debut of Like a Boss. Uh, made $10 million. Uh, Jumanji The Next Level fell from number two to number three. And... Uh, the Rise of Skywalker comes in at number two, falling from num the number one spot, losing again another 56%, grossing 50, $15 million domestically. Uh, the number one was a movie that was just nominated for an Oscar, uh, 1917. Uh, I think uh, the awards buzz is what drove it up. Um, it also gained uh, th over 3,000 theaters, so... And that's probably why it's number one. Anyway, let's take a quick look at the uh, box office for The Rise of Skywalker overall. Domestically, it's at $478 million. Uh, internationally, it's at $511 million, making its worldwide total at, at this time $989,968,274, which means that's just shy of the billion-dollar mark. So it'll make that billion dollars. But, you know, what people, are, I think, are grousing about is the, is the fact that it's just, you know, gotten there and stopped. But you got to remember, this movie has been out since December 20th. So it's been out, you know, what, one, two, three, you know, three, four weeks now. So, you know, the people have seen it, have seen it, and that's it. Anymore, I think that's that's what you can, and also for uh, you also got to remember people went back from winter break. They're now back at work, back at jobs, back at whatever. So you know that money is going is going away. Anyway, let's oops. let's go on with some Star Trek news. Now uh, the rise of Skywalker is over. the The saga is finished. 
So what could Daisy Ridley and John Boyega do? Or maybe another sci-fi franchise? The two spoke with Yahoo, and they were asked if they might be willing to join the Star Trek franchise. Daisy Ridley replied, quote, I would do a Star Trek. I need a job. I'm unemployed. Hello? Now, unquote, uh, John Boyega had a different reaction, quote, They're talking too much. The last Star Trek was space law and order, unquote. Now, they did ask I Oscar Isaac the same question, a different interview, and he told them that he would be open to the opportunity because he was, quote, space slut, unquote, just like director J.J. Abrams. Well, uh, there's, good, yeah, there's good news there. It looks like there is going to be a, a new start, uh, might be a new Star Trek film with a completely different cast. So uh, I guess, Oscar, uh, get your agent on the phone. Anyway, William Shatner has done a good deed over Christmas. You know, he's due. Uh, TMZ reports that the actor visited his local Los Angeles Police Department precinct station with corned beef and pastrami sandwiches, bagels, lox, and cream cheese to help feed the officers on duty on Christmas Day. Shatner then reportedly thanked them, left a holiday card, and a few hundred dollars to feed the officers for the rest of the day. Good job, TJ Hooker. Because that was his character on the other TV show that he was on. He was on more than just Star Trek people. Look it up. Anyway, so uh, you may remember that the U.S. now has a new military division, the U.S. Space Force. I think we should always say it like that, by the way. Uh, well, now word has come out that the 14th unit of the Air Force is being transferred to the Space Force and is being named Space Operations Command. Its acronym will be SPOC, or as some are referring to it as SPOC. According to a press release from the Air Force, quote, the SPOC provides space capabilities such as space dominion awareness, space electronic where for space electronic where warfare. Why can't I say that word? I don't know. Satellite communications, missile warning, nuclear detonation detection, environmental monitoring, monitoring military intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance, navi navigation warfare, command and control and positioning, navigation and timing on behalf of the USSF for US Spacecom and other combatant commands. Unquote. So there you have it, folks. They have a Spock. Or should it be, should, shouldn't it be Spock? Spock? I don't know. Anyway, good luck to them. Well, now it's official. Star Trek Picard has been renewed for Season 2. The announcement was made by Julie McNamara, Executive Vice President of Original Content for CBS All Access, at the biannual TCA presentation. Julie told the audience, quote, The energy and excitement around the premiere of Star Trek Picard has reached a magnitude greater than all of us at CBS All Access could have hoped for. We're thrilled to announce plans for a second season before the series debut, and we are confident that Star Trek fans and new viewers alike will be captured by the stellar cast and creative team's meticulously crafted story when it premieres on June 23rd, unquote. You know, I'm, I'm actually, you know, really interested to see the first season 
of Star Trek Picard, I'll actually you know, put in for CBS All Access. You know, I wouldn't do that with Discovery, which they've also gotten looks like their you know, next season order, of course. I don't think I don't think that show's gonna go away until the, the actors either quit or uh the people do. So in other words, if you stop tuning in, they'll stop making it. If you tune in, they will make it to each their own. Anyway, let's go ahead to the geek news. Now, uh, the geek news starts with uh, Netflix. Now, they'll be releasing 29 movies over the course of 2020. And uh, here are a few of, of note to sci-fi fans. The platform is uh, a movie about a future dystopia where prisoners are housed in vertically stacked cells which hungrily and watch hungrily as food descends from above, feeding the upper tiers but leaving those below ravenous and radicalized. And over the moon, uh, animation icon Glenn Keane makes his featured di di directorial debut in this musical adventure about a girl who builds a rocket ship to travel to the moon in order to prove that her father that to her far that legendary moon goddess really exists and there's a, a lot more of course you know go go to your local internet to find out dun, dun, dun. the glad movie award nominations are out uh, up for uh, outstanding drama series are batwoman shadow hunters star trek discovery and supergirl Watchmen, this extraordinary being, is a nominee for Outstanding Individual Episode in a Series without a regular LGBTQ character. Up for Outstanding Comic Book are The Avant Guards, written by Carly Usden, Bloom, written by Kevin Panetta, Crowded, written by Christopher Sibelia, Harley Quinn Breaking Glass, written by Mariko Tamaki, Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me, written by Mariko Tamanaki. Lebtrice, written by Greg Lockhart. Lumberjanes, written by Shannon Waters and Cat Lay. Runaways, written by Rainbow Rowell. Star Wars Dr. Aphra, written by Simon Spurrier. And The Wicked and Divine, written by Kyrian Gillian. Good luck to all. And now there are a lot of other nominees and uh, lots of rewards too. These are just the ones that have, you know, the sci-fi, a sci-fi or comic book connection. If you want to read the rest of the list, just go to the link in our show notes. Uh, the Gay and Le the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation Awards will be handed out, uh, half of them in New York on March 19th, and the other half in LA on April 16th. Production has begun on Disney Plus's Willow series. The news comes from writer John Kazan's Twitter feed. The series will be a follow-up to the 1988 movie written by Ron Howard, or directed by Ron Howard, written by George Lucas and Bob Dolman, and starring Warwick Davis in the title role. Now, Warwick will be returning to the role. Here's a little bit of trivia for you. John Kazan is the son of writer-director Lawrence Kasdan, best known for his work on three Star Wars films and Rares as the Lost Ark. Now, there are no details about any additional cast or release dates. You know, don't know if Val Kilmer is going to show up. 
That'd be kind of interesting, though. If you enjoyed the 80s, uh, you'll enjoy this next piece of news. Disney Plus is currently in plans to remake the movie Space Camp. The original uh, story, uh, the original movie told the story of a group of teens attending an astronaut training camp when they are accidentally launched into space while touring the space shuttle. The movie starred Leia Thompson, Kelly Preston, and a very young Joaquin Phoenix. Now, it was not really a successful movie at the box office when it was released in 1986, but uh, that can partially be attributed to the, the release being just a few months after the Spatial Challenger disaster. The new Space Camp will be written by Saturday Night Live writers Mikey Day and Streeter Sedell and will be produced by John Rickard, whose credits include Rampage and Horrible Bosses. Un you know. So, uh, Space Camp. Anyway, Seth MacFarlane is switching from a fox to a peacock. The creator behind Family Guy, American Dad, and The Orville has signed a nine-figure deal with NBC Universal Content Studios. Sources have told The Hollywood Reporter that Seth and Fuzzy Door Productions will create and develop new TV projects for the media giant. This deal will lock Mr. McFarland there for five years and will see him grow $200 million richer. Now, Seth is said to be very excited to create new projects for the company, and it is said he's interested in, quote, starring in and producing musicals, political dramas, and anthologies around historic events, in addition to working on new animated projects. Now, this might make you worry about his other his other shows, but don't worry. His Fox Space his Fox Space shows will be just fine, as the deal leaves McFarlane room to continue working on his now Disney owned shows, as well as get giving him room to go make films for other studios if he wishes. Now, I'll have to ask uh, Tom Con Constantino about this more in a future interview. Now, ooh, ooh, ooh. Here's a thought. Here's a thought. It's of our NBC Universal, right? Seth MacFarlane's Battlestar Galactica. Okay, uh, maybe that's one too far. Anyway, legendary filmmaker Robert Zemeckis is in final negotiations to direct the sci-fi thriller Ares at Warner Brothers. The film has an original script from Captain Marvel writer Geneva Robertson Dward and was originally set to be made at MGM. But now it'll go for, it won't go forward with the Bugs Bunny will go forth with the Bugs Bunny brand. Uh, Roland Emmerich will serve as executive producer, and the story is being described as follows: as genre bending, and will have an astronaut who crashes in an African desert. On his journey home to reunite with his family, he discovers that his mission was part of a larger conspiracy, that he might and he might be carrying a secret that could change the world. Unquote. No. Sounds interesting, I guess. I'd like to know more. Now, uh, as, as I told you at the top of the show, I've had a few days off, and I've been re-watching season one of FX's What We Do in the Shadows. Very funny. Well, season two looks like it's going to be just as good, as series creator Jermaine Clement has announced that Mark Hamill will be a guest star this season. Jermaine made this announcement at the show's Television Critics Association Press Day panel. Uh, Clement also confirmed that Booksmart's Beanie Feldstein will not be returning in Season 2 due to film commitments. 
for which Jermaine said that he was quote a little disappointing for me, as she was planning uh, she was planned to be a big character unquote. The good news is that they have found other characters to fill that void. Season two will add new supernatural beings to the to the world, such as ghosts and witches. And now a little bit of sad news: visual artist Sid Mead has passed away. On December 30th, 2019, from complications from lymphoma. Before going into entertainment, he worked for corporations like Ford Motor Company, Sony, and Philips Electronics. His first role in the entertainment industry was as a production illustrator for Star Trek The Motion Picture. A few years later, he would go on to design the Leonov spaceship in the movie 2010, and his art also influenced George Lucas in the design of the AT-AT. He has also contributed to such films as Blade Runner, Short Circuit, Tron, Time Cop, Mission Impossible 3, Elysium, Tomorrow World, and Blade Runner 2049. He passed away in Pasadena, California at the age of 86. And we also remember American comedy legend Buck Henry. He co-created the, the secret agent comedy series Get Smart with Mel Brooks and the short-lived sci-fi comedy Quark. The legendary writer worked for Saturday Night Live in its infancy and even hosted the show 10 times from 1976 to 1980. He also appeared in many movies like Catch-22, which he wrote, The Man Who Fell to Earth, Heaven Can Wait, which he wrote and directed, Grumpy Old Men, and also TV shows like Murphy Brown, Tales from the Crypt, Dilbert, Hot in Cleveland, and Franklin and Bash. Buck Henry died on January 8, 2020, in Los Angeles from a heart attack. He was 89. And that will bring us to the end of another sci-fi edition of Multiverse Tonight. Now, uh, be sure to check us out on our social media. We're at Twitter, at Multiverse Tom. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, at Multiverse Tonight as well. And uh, if you didn't like the ad at the start of the show... I'm sorry, but if you'd like to contribute money to see that, you know, you never have to go through that again, please visit mtpodcast.com to go to our uh, coffee or Patreon as well. And be sure to visit multiversetonight.com to check out our affiliate marketplace links, the link to our Public store, our show notes, and so much more. Now, if you're a subscriber, be sure to share us with your friends. And if you're brand new to the show, please be sure to subscribe. Leave us with some feedback, you know, leave, and let us know how we're doing. Uh, special thanks to Shane Ivers for our intro music and Lobo Loco for our outro theme music. Thanks for watching the sci-fi edition of Multiverse tonight. Now, we'll be back in just a couple of days with the comic book edition. Now, please, exit the universe in an orderly fashion. Good night. Multiverse Tonight is a production of Half Big Genre Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.